0: I'm a firm believer that if you are failing at something, it's because you're trying. Welcome to the Found Podcast with Molly Knuth, a podcast for women who are founding and getting found with their businesses online. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and my mission is to help women rewrite how we live and work on our own terms. We want to grow families, impact others for the better, and be a positive force in our communities, but we also want to have a fulfilling life, you know? In the past six years, I've gone from being a stay at home mom to a freelance social media marketer to a hashtag boss babe, managing client needs, talented team members, and my husband and four kiddos on our little farm here in Eastern Iowa. And what I've learned in that time is that it's not just about going full force or any one size fits all strategy for a business owner. It takes you leaning into your unique gifts, intuition, and goals, and learning who you are as a person along the way to founding this business. So come along for lessons and stories from female founders growing and scaling their businesses through energetics, tried and true tactics, and high vibe personal growth. Be ready to get found. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Found Podcast here with Molly Knuth. Today's episode is about failing. And I hate that word so, so much. One of the biggest things in my life that I'm scared of is failing. I am an Enneagram 3. I am a high achiever. I am driven, goal oriented, and motivated, and really just like kind of self pushing myself through to get, achieve things for no good reason. I'm also the oldest child in our family, which I feel like a lot of this aligns with oldest children. But throughout my life, I've just been very uncomfortable with the concept of failure. So when I set my sights on a goal, a lot of times I would really just rise to the occasion to make it happen, whether that was working harder to see it through, or whether that was putting more hours in, or some things just came naturally to me, and I would really capitalize on that. But! In the last 12 months, I've alluded to this a lot in recent episodes of the podcast, I felt like in 2022 and early 2023, it was just failure after failure after failure over here. And some of these failures were public facing and people got to see me not achieve something that I put my stakes in the ground over. And other failures were very much internal, and I hid them as much as possible from view. And it's because I'm just uncomfortable with the concept of failing. And it wasn't until this very episode, the first episode of September 2023, which just so happens to be the three-year anniversary of the podcast, that I finally felt like I could put words around all of these failures and really extract lessons from them in a way that I wouldn't get overly emotional about and that I could come to from a pretty neutral perspective. So today, we're going to talk about three ways that I was a failure, quote-unquote, in my business in the last 12 months. And when we read articles about business or when we see different um, really high-stakes social media posts in our newsfeeds, about the statistics around business failure rates that always just didn't sit right with me and even though we are going to call these business failures because from the very like factual perspective that it was me not reaching a goal they aren't necessarily failures in and of themselves because I'm a firm believer that if you are failing at something it's because you're trying if you are looked at by others and they say, oh, look it, she didn't make that happen. At least you attempted it. And I really do admire people who put their necks out there and they try something different. And whether it goes the way they wanted to or not, even if it looks like a failure on the outside, there are so many lessons that the person is learning on the inside. And it's true what they say. That very first thing that you try, whether it's a business or a health goal or a personal just like hobby goal that you have, if you fail the first time, the second time you attempt it, you're not starting from square one. You're starting with the experience you gained in that first attempt. And so even though I'm sharing three technical failures with you today, I'm also going to share with you how they're setting me up for the next level when I'm ready to reach for that. So let's go. All right, number one, and this is the most public failure to date. And I shed a lot of tears over this one. I felt very uncomfortable with it. And I sat with this failure for a long time before finally making a decision. But to talk about this failure, we need to go back to June of 2022. And I had an episode of this podcast that was called Big News. It was the very first episode of the month of June 2022. And I shared with you that we were realizing a goal that I had put on my vision board for years and years. And that goal was to purchase an old building, a historic property in our community's downtown area, because I wanted to refurbish, revitalize, and rebuild it to be the MKM headquarters. And in early 2022, it seemed like a building just kind of happened. It was one that we didn't foresee. When I say we, I refer to my husband and I. It wasn't one that we foresaw coming up for sale, but it had so much history and like weird interconnections with our family. It was a 100 year old plus bank. So it had really cool old vaults and a lot of historic features. And as after we got possession of the building and started really like demoing and peeling away layers, we found so many cool aspects of that. We found this old tile um, section of the floor that used to be where the teller line was when it was first built back in the 1920s. We found gorgeous tin tiles on the ceilings in areas that we didn't expect it. We found this beautiful archway from like a brick archway from where the building used to end but it had had several additions over the years and then we even like dug into the front facade and in the 1960s like a mid-century style like very modern exterior was placed on top of this gorgeous old brick archwork and iron um column facade that the building originally had and it was still under there and we found all this and it was like so exciting And as myself and my husband and other people were like helping us really dig into it, while it was exciting, I got really scared. And the truth is, I was so scared because pretty soon it wasn't just a matter of demoing. It was a matter of making big decisions. And while I had this vision starting out that I was like, oh yeah, MKM's going to go here and this is what we'll use it for. When push came to shove and I had to make decisions about, okay, where's the office going to go? What are we going to do with this wide open area? What kind of finishes do I want to have? Who do I want to partner with? Because it was more space than I really needed. Uh, What if we ran into this budget eating uh, feature, which, it wasn't like the budget got way out of control. It just was like, oh, this was something unexpected or this is something that we found that we wanted to preserve and so that was gonna take the budget and what do we wanna save and what are we okay with not doing to the full extent? And pretty soon I was just overwhelmed by options. And we had built a house uh, in our early years of getting married and I never felt at that point that I was overwhelmed with options. I was always excited. I always was like happy to make these decisions, write out the checks. But for some reason last year, very quickly into the process of this building, I froze up and I got avoidant. And one of my saboteurs, and if you guys know about the saboteurs, we can link to it in the show notes too. But as a person, we kind of default to some of these self-sabotaging mechanisms And one of my big ones is avoidance. If I am frustrated with my husband, I will avoid him. If I have a problem that I cannot solve, I will avoid it. And I'll pretend like it's going to solve itself. And so for a long time, like as we were demoing the building and then we got as far as we could in the demo process and it became the part of, okay, Molly, now you have to decide where are we actually going to build first? I couldn't make that decision. I was so frozen in indecision my vision got really blurry. And I just avoided it as much as possible. And I really got into my own head. And I think that we can all get to this. At some extent, maybe it's not a building project, maybe for you, it's starting a business, maybe for you, it's taking a big risk in your personal life, maybe it's deciding to you know, change direction in your career path or your education, but something unexpected comes up and then you just can't think about anything else. And then you start to get that shame spiral going on. And that's definitely where I was August, September, October, November, December of 2022. Because I think if I'm being really honest with myself, I probably knew in like late August that I should not pursue this build out anymore, but I was avoidant. Then I, um, didn't want to admit that I was wrong. Not that I was wrong, but I didn't want to admit failure and I didn't want to be seen by community members as somebody who couldn't see a project through, especially after I had so publicly put a stake in the ground and said that I was going to do this thing up to that point. There was really nothing, and I don't say this in a braggy way, but in my business career for Molly Knuth Media, most of the things that I set out to do, I did follow through with that and I accomplished it. This was going to be that first thing where I did not accomplish what I set out to. And that was a really big chip on my shoulder that I just couldn't come to terms with. And so I really struggled. And even though internally I had to like, make that decision and come to terms with it I just was not ready to talk to anybody about it I even hid it from my husband for as long as I could that I, I was having these feelings but eventually he and I had a conversation and he's like you know I'm not gonna And I give him all the credit because he was so supportive in this project because I had said I wanted it for so many years and then when we finally had the conversation where I was like I just don't know I just don't know what I want He was very supportive too. And he's like, I can't make that decision for you. I'm not going to make that decision for you. You have to come to terms with this yourself. And so it took me months, you guys, like months. But finally, in the winter months of 2022, as we bridged into 2023, I started having conversations with people privately who I thought maybe would be interested in a property. And so I had some private conversations with potential developers people who I knew had heart for these small town historic structures and was trying to see that I could steward this building forward to someone else who would care for it, not just like demo it, not just like leave it as is because it definitely needed some TLC. But I wanted to give it to somebody who could see the potential and who really had a vision for restoring this building. Maybe To whatever degree they saw, but just to see that it was revitalized and it would have some sort of life in it again. And it took a few different conversations with people. It took several months. But then, in I believe it was late March, early April, somebody approached us and said that they had heard through the grapevine that we were potentially selling our property. And we walked through it with them. I could see the excitement in her eyes. And she told me about her business dreams. And it just seemed very, fateful that she and her husband were to be the next owners of the property and they have really great vision and they've already started um, executing on it and so I just am very proud that they are going to be the next owners of that property and I was very ashamed I was very nervous I did have to go through this like reevaluation of my identity and maybe I'm being like too in my own head about it But those were all the real feelings that I was having. And I felt like a real failure. And I even told people this. I was like, I, like my team and people who were really excited in my family about this project, I was like, I just feel like a failure because I didn't see it through. But then through conversations with people who I was willing to open up to, and in doing a lot of reading from a lot of different business owners, people's businesses pivot. and actually a sign of a business that has longevity and has stood the test of time. They aren't the same business 5, 7, 10, 15, 20 years down the road that they were when they started out. They went through several iterations. They went through things they attempted that didn't work. And this, I had to chalk up to one of those things that I thought was for me, that I thought was going to work out. But then in the long run, In the story of my business and of my life, this is just gonna be a chapter and that chapter will teach me a lesson and it ultimately has, it ultimately did. But the big thing I had to first overcome was my own feelings, my own self-judgment, my own shame of having this quote unquote failure in a very public way and knowing that there were people talking about me that I probably would have been talking about myself too. But in the long run, What I took away from this first failure is that when I go back to the reasons that I put this on my vision board in the first place, I don't know if I was thinking about owning and restoring a building from a practical perspective of does my business need it. I wanted it because I thought it would be cool to see my name on the building, like just being 100% honest. I wanted to be able to put my money where my mouth is. If I talked about the importance of investing in small towns, of caring for our communities, restoring these historic properties for the next generation, I wanted to really put my money where my mouth was and be a person who did that. And I thought that was a thing to like be proud of. And now that I look back, I'm like, that was kind of like a chip on my shoulder. I feel like I was doing it to prove myself to other people rather than being honest and True to what my business needed. Because honestly, what my business needed wasn't a space to fill. My business can be executed from home offices, from the kitchen table. And in truth, my team wanted that. My team didn't need a space where we would come together every single day. My team wanted the flexibility to work from home. And so it was more of a pride thing that I was attempting this business purchase and restoration than a necessity thing and that's okay sometimes you pursue things just because you want to and there's nothing wrong with that but I think I didn't take enough precautionary steps before saying oh my gosh this is it I just wanted it so bad that I couldn't like be practical for a hot sec. um but that's okay it's definitely a learning lesson and one of the things I've also found out about myself in the last 12 months as I dug into human design is that I have the profile lines three, five. And if this doesn't make any sense to you, if you're not a human design person, that's okay. Um, Just bear with me for a second. But the three, five profile lines, three is like, I have to try things out for myself. I can't just accept somebody else's word that's telling me what's best for me. I have to go and dig in and try it. And so one of the things that did result from this particular building not working out is like, now I am satisfied. For years before this, we have attempted purchasing other buildings that didn't work out. And I would have continued this process until some other building came up and it didn't work out because I just need to try things for myself. And then the five profile line in human design is that I have to show people what I've learned (laughs) and the mistakes that I've made and the successes that I have and carry that the learning through to other people. And so that's me doing this in real time. But I say all of that because I feel like it still worked out the way it was supposed to. And I have a trusted friend who I was talking to about this. And she said, Molly, uh, so shout out to Kara at BC Barnburner. Um, but she's like, Molly, you know what? You set out to save a historic building and you may not have been the person to, and I'm paraphrasing here, but she's like, you may not have been the person to see it through that whole process and actually open a business in the end, but you still held that building And you made sure it went to somebody who would care about it. So you did, in fact, satisfy what you intended to do. So that made me feel really good. And thank you again to Kara for that message. So that was failure number one. The building that I came on and had a whole special episode about last year, and I had so many posts about, and I talked to people about, it just didn't work out the way I intended it to. And that's okay. All right, failure number two something that i have always been very self-conscious about is business finances and just finances in general like that was one of the things that even as a like young girl or teen girl i can think about like money moments throughout my life and see different times where my money mindset was really shaping and i've had like a scarcity and a lack mindset around money for all of the years of my life Now, when I went out to start MKM and through the years of growth, like I tried to manage the business finances as much as I could on my own. And for a lot of reasons, I think it all came back to like shame and lack and those feelings of scarcity that I've always held around money. But I just always was so nervous and scared to bring somebody in on some of those things that I was feeling real shameful about. and so. Last year in 2022, it got to a point in my business where I was like, okay, I just cannot continue to manage all of this because our team had grown. We had the building purchase. Um, There were some more expenses that were coming in. We had a lot of client um, comings and goings. And it just got to a point where once I hit that threshold, I think, 2021 was the first year we hit six figures in revenue at MKM. 2022, I think we hit six figures by June, June, July. And so it was just like the volume of it was to a point that I didn't have the systems and the structures in place because I didn't have the proper education and the proper ways of managing the money that I needed to have a business at that volume. And that became very apparent in 2022. So some of the things that I was feeling I really failed in was like some of the investments that I made and some of the courses that I purchased and then like not having the systems and the structures in place that I needed before we got to that point as a six-figure business. And so one of the things that maybe you feel too as a business owner and that we see over and over and over again on the social media channels is that we see people really touting how much money they make, especially if you're an online service provider or an online business. We see a lot of these coaches and consultants saying like, I made a 10K week or a 10K month or a six-figure month. And I think I was in that comparison game a little bit too last year. And then it was even compounded because I had that long lasting like shame around uh, my understanding of how like cash, how to manage cash flow and how to make some of these big sweeping changes that I knew I needed to make in the finance side of my business, but I didn't know how to go about it. And so rather than ask for help when I should have, I just continued to try to do it as best I could by myself. But then in 2022, it became very apparent that I needed to get outside help. And so I felt that number two, my big failure that I had a lot of shame and frustration and sadness about last year was in how I treated myself and my mindset about money. And so here's what I learned and some actions that I took so that I could fix and resolve this situation. And, um, I'm just realizing now that I kind of started a story there about how we might see things online um, and then I never finished it. But if you're somebody who's an online business owner, especially, or somebody who's a service provider and you're seeing these stories, I don't bring up like the revenue that MKM generated in recent years to be like a braggy point. One thing I want you to know is that when somebody's talking about generating six figures or five figures or whatever is that there is no magic number that will make you feel safe in your money. There is no magic number that these people can talk about that's like the answer to all of your problems. There is no next offer or next launch that will automatically solve whatever feelings of lack or scarcity you have around money. And often, a lot of times when people are really using these figures to market their business, it's revenue. And that doesn't show you how much for a lot of people, some people are really transparent and they'll tell you, here's our revenue. Here was our expenses. And so then here is the take home profit. But for a lot of people I'm seeing out there, they're just marketing on their revenue, which doesn't tell the whole story. So anyway, I say all that just because there are these marketing tactics. They are very trendy and popular right now. Don't compare yourself to them. And if you're somebody who puts your worth into how much you can generate in your business, I feel like you and I could totally identify and we could have a coffee chat. Um, But this is the next thing that I did. So I went and I had known this person for a number of years, but I just never took the next step. And I would say like early last year, I started having these feelings of like, maybe I should hire Sheila. Maybe I should have Sheila come on board. But then I was like, Maybe I'll just take this course instead and that'll teach me how to make more money and then that'll be the solution to all of my problems and so I did that for a little while but then last fall, I hired Sheila Hansen um, and she has been a godsend. Not only is she a bookkeeper and a CPA but she is also like so gifted in talking you through your money mindset, especially if you're a female, especially if you're an online business owner, especially if you have a creative brain like I do and money management doesn't always make sense right away. Sheila has helped me so much, not just in putting systems and structures into place, but in coaching me through these money mindset blocks that I had and still have today. But one of the first things that Sheila and I worked on was just getting things set up in the right programs. So for a number of years, I was using QuickBooks Online and then I was invoicing through another system, and I was gathering money through PayPal and Stripe, and my money was all over the place, and my tracking was very much all over the place, which was making things more complicated for somebody like me who wasn't feeling very capable and confident in the way I managed money in the first place. And one of the first things Sheila did was let's organize all of this and get it so that we see it all in one place. So we made the transition from. QuickBooks self-employed sorry I think I said that wrong first I was using QuickBooks self-employed which is almost like a QuickBooks lite version for a number of years and then we made the transition over to like full-fledged QuickBooks online with all the power and all the capabilities and that was a huge block for me because QuickBooks is just a beast and I was again if something is hard or complicated then I just shut down and go into avoidance mode and I tried that for a little bit but then Sheila didn't let me so (laughs) which was a good thing thank you Sheila but she helped me with that and then in the early part of this year Q1 what we did was we really focused on getting my cash flow set up so when I started out at the beginning of MKM the way I had my payments and Invoicing structured was that I would invoice on the first of every month or the first business day for the services that were rendered in the month prior. Because, again, going back to my money mindset, I was like, I don't feel comfortable billing somebody for services that they didn't yet get. So I was like, I'm just going to bill them, you know, after the fact. And, you know, that was me like really being like, you know, nice, but you know, you have to also look out for yourself when you're a self-employed person. And so I was also really open about like when people could pay, they could pay me via check, they could pay me via PayPal, they could pay me via ACH, whatever, you know. And what that really had happened last year was like, I would have, and all my business owners were great and they all They have all been fantastic to work with. We all have open communications, but I'm the first to admit that, you know, sometimes there's just bills that like they'll go past the 30 days and then you're like, oh, shoot, it's the fifth of the next month. I need to pay that other one. So there would be some months where I'd have clients pay me double because maybe they missed the window in the month that they were billed. And then there were some months where like, and then that really threw off my cash projections and how I could pay my team and pay my own bills and things like that. And so Sheila really helped me not just funnel all of my billing into QuickBooks, put all of my receivables and all of my accounts into QuickBooks, but then she also helped me change over my billing system so that on the first of the month, we transitioned into billing for services rendered the month that the services were delivered. So rather than on like September 1st, I used to bill for August's services rendered. Now, because of this change that we instituted in 2023. I bill on September 1st for September services rendered. And while that makes sense, it did require a lot of communications in the transition. It did require a lot of conversations with clients because I wanted them to feel comfortable because there would be a month that they were double billed to make up for that transition. And so it was a lot of communications. It was a lot of conversations. It was a lot of explaining why we're doing it. And all of my clients were so, so great about it, especially those ones that I was, I had forever, like they were so encouraging and they were like, Oh, you're really learning so much. And like, you're like professionalizing. And I was like, that's a great compliment. Thank you. And so that was a huge, huge difference maker because it helps me see Oh, and then the additional layer of that was that we changed it over to ACH Draws. So then I wasn't also like just saying, here's your invoice, now pay it at your convenience. It was like, we set up the things in QuickBooks so that that payment, when it's billed on the first, it's also drawn on the first. So it helps me really manage my cash flow. And I know when the money is going to be in the bank, I know where that money now goes, because that was the next level. Sheila helped me allocate it to certain things. And so now I know what my money is doing and how it's going to work for me. And we have a plan and process behind it. And so Molly of last year at this time was nervous and counting every penny and like really making sure that those bills didn't overlap and things like that. So that I knew when, where, and how everything was working. It was very stressful. <laughs> And trying to keep things, oh gosh, I was just not organized. And I wasn't like, again, for a business at that level, I didn't have the systems and the structures in place that I needed. And so, my biggest lesson from that failure was getting some help and getting help from a person that didn't just like do the work for you, but coached you through it and explained why we were doing these things and helped me feel empowered and confident. And then making some of those changes that even though they were uncomfortable and even though they required a lot of communication and conversation, it really helped me become more comfortable and confident in my financial capabilities. And now I look at the Molly of January and how nervous and how shamed I was of like how I didn't feel like I knew anything. And I was like, I've been in business for six years. Why am I feeling like this right now? But now I feel like in the course of six months, I have grown so much in, not to say that I have all the answers and everything figured out, but I feel so like I've come so far in that journey and really developed that money mindset in a way that I couldn't have without uh, the help of this really great team member. And so Sheila, I cannot plug her enough and thank her enough. She has really helped me learn and grow this year in terms of my financial understanding and just how I feel in my money mindset. Okay, failure number three. Last year, late last year, (laughs) gosh, so we have the building thing and then last fall was like, okay, this is not going to work out, but I didn't want to talk about it. Last year, about this time of year, the financial things that I, the structures that I had in place felt like they were crumbling and they weren't keeping up. And I was taking in so much shame about that. Also, at this time last year, I still had that mindset of, well, if I just add another program, if I just make another offer, if I just land another client, I can make this work. And it's just going to take one more thing and then it'll all be fine. And I was trying to hustle and outrun some of the problems that were cropping up in the systematic side of my business. And some of the things I did last year were really great as far as like growing and stretching myself as a person, making that property purchase, hiring team members, taking on clients that stretched me. But also, there is no way, you can outrun the systematic and structural deficiencies of a business by adding more to your plate. And that was something I totally failed at in the fall of last year. I kept thinking that the hustle mentality would get me out of whatever feelings of lack and scarcity that I was currently having. If I was feeling like I wasn't confident enough, then maybe I just needed one more program because then when I saw people signing up for it, it would make me feel confident in my abilities to coach. Or if I felt like, oh shoot, money's gonna be tight this month to cover all the bases, then, oh, maybe I just need to really hone in on this potential lead and get them sold. And then that'll solve all my problems. And that's never the answer. The answer is really, instead of hustling and running and trying to push harder and more. And I even think about there was a particular time in I think it was September of last year. I sat at my kitchen table and I remember filling an entire notebook paper with all of these program ideas that I had. I had two programs per month. I was like, this is going to give me that cash injection. That's going to finally make me feel safe. It's going to finally make me feel like enough. It's finally going to make me feel legitimate. It's going to finally blah 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 blah. And I think what you're getting from all of these failure examples is that like internally I'm just a mess. (laughs) I'm like, there's a lot of feelings of enoughness that I need to address and I'm working on. But this was really at its height last fall. And in the end, what happened was that I really got burnt out and I was sick. Our household was sick from like November through January. And I don't think that was coincidental. I think that was my body like saying, Molly, we have had enough and we cannot keep going like this. And it forced me to like take a break. And I really had to reassess some things going into this year. I feel like I really did burn out. And going into 2023, I let go and canceled an ongoing program. And I had people who had made like a year long commitment and they had purchased ahead. So, I had to fulfill the remainder of those contracts and i so I talked with them and worked with them on how we could make that look, but I had to give up that program because I was like, "I just cannot keep doing this and There were some other things that we had started last year offering us services like website building like uh logo design um where I had team members brought in to support with those certain projects and I had to let some of those services go because I couldn't manage it all. And one of the things last year too is like I had several team members. I think at this point of last year, I probably had six or seven team members and I was woefully under prepared mentally myself for like how my my role would look when I had a larger team like that. I was very, again, that Like three, five in me, where I have to just try things for myself. I was like, oh, if I have people who can have these roles, then they'll keep the ball rolling on those ends. And then I can just pursue the things that I want to pursue. And then I really look back and I'm like, I could have been such a better leader had I really come to terms with the fact that when you have a team of that size, you become more of the project manager and keeping all of those that becomes your role. And I wasn't prepared for that. And that wasn't anybody's fault. It was just something that I learned along the way. But that was just another thing that led me to know I have to let some of these things go. Some of these programs or these services, or even some clients didn't follow through into um, the last 12 months. We had some clients leave. We had some clients change their package rate. And all of it, while it could be chalked up as a failure, you know, if I said, we're not do- offering that anymore or, This business stepped away and didn't renew their contract. That could all be like felt and taken in as a quote unquote failure. But what I took away from it, now that I have the gift of time and perspective, is that I needed to really narrow down. I needed to say, I can't do everything. I need to get clear on what the thing is that I want to pursue and what offers, what Tasks, what actions align with that. And I think that's still an ongoing process, if I'm being truly honest. And it's still something that I'm working through because as I went through the last 12 months, what I thought at the beginning of that season of my life, like summer 2022, I had these big visions, I had these big goals. And then in how everything unfolded, it almost felt like an unraveling. And when I unraveled, what I built back up in the months since doesn't look like I thought it would. And I don't know if it needs to. I think that I can see differently now where I want to go. My vision has changed. While some of my values remain the same, I don't have the same end goal in mind. And so I have to restructure. And that's okay. We have to allow ourselves To make those evolutions and have those like change of hearts and change of vision. Because as I talked about earlier, some of those big names in business, the Jeff Bezos of Amazon, Amazon used to be a bookstore when it got started. And now we know it as the mega conglomerate that can get us anything we want in less than 24 hours. You know, Sarah Blakely, the owner of Spanx, well, she's not the owner anymore the former owner of Spanx, you know, she didn't see success in her first iteration and she has grown and expanded and changed over the years. And that's the same when you look at business after business after business, name after name after name. The way they started is not what they are known for today for the most part because they allowed themselves to fail. They allowed themselves to learn and they allowed themselves to evolve. And I feel that for so many of us, myself included, we put so much pressure on ourselves to cast a vision, put our flag in the ground and say, this is where I'm at. And this is where I will stay. And while that can look really honorable and sound noble from the outside, I really feel like it holds us up because inevitably we're going to come up against these hurdles that we don't expect. We're going to be met with information that we didn't have in the beginning that might change our outlook. We're going to be challenged by people and maybe that allows us to reconsider our stake. And so we need as business owners to be flexible. There is a saying that's, oh shoot, now I'm going to butcher it, but it's like be clear on your end result, but be flexible in the path that gets you there. And I think there's a lot A lot of truth in that. If we're just knowing where we want to go, but we don't have to be so fixated on the exact steps to get to that end point, it allows us to have these more circuitous journeys. It allows us to grow. It allows us to fall flat. It allows us to pick ourselves up. And it allows for these surprises and really serendipitous things. That we couldn't have ever expected, but that change us in all the right ways that we needed in the long run. And so while I experienced failure after failure after failure, it feels like last year, for the most part, those failures have served me. They have taught me lessons. And when I look ahead at the next 12 months, like I think the best way I can describe it is. Last year at this time, when I looked ahead 12 months from now, I couldn't see anything. I had so much pressure on my shoulders, pressure in my mind that everything looked dark. And I remember like doing my morning workouts and I would end up crying (laughs) because I would just be like overcome with this feeling of frustration and like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to solve this problem? How am I going to avoid? I'm feeling like a failure. How am I going to avoid public scrutiny? How am I going to make it last? How am I going to keep this all together? And now, in this journey, even as uncomfortable as the last 12 months have been at times, the feelings I have right now are lightness. When I complete my workouts, they might not always be fun, but I'm not crying at the end of it because I'm having all of those emotions like spill over. I'm feeling empowered, I'm having fun. I'm returning to some of those things that used to light me up and I had to let go of or take a beat from last year because I was just so consumed with some of these other things. And if you are in a season like that, I would encourage you to really slow down, kind of like I had to in failure number three. I had to slow down. I had to let some things go so that I could make space. And then I could focus on some of these other failures and solving them. And so that allowed me, when I let certain things go, to make the space to put in systems and structures in my billing processes. It allowed me to really dig in a little deeper to some of the client relationships and the services that I wanted to continue to see forward. Giving the building dream up for now in that particular property allowed somebody else to take it over. It gave me the lightness of like not having to think about what decisions I wanted to make. And overall, all of this has allowed me to be a much wiser, more empathetic, better leader, I think. I think that's what it has equipped me for and only time will tell. But anyway, I feel like Here's how I want to end this. I read in an email the other day that September is considered the new, new year. And for a lot of reasons, I think that's true. It just feels like a natural reset when we close the chapter on summer and we get into our regular routines as we decide to like, you know, cozy back up when the days get shorter and the nights get longer and the kids go back to school. It just feels like a natural time for us as Women, as moms, as business owners, to also reset and reassess where we're at, take a deep breath, and then say, Here's what I want to work on now. And I love that concept of the new, new year. And as we look at the fall ahead of us, and for many people listening, this is probably one of your busiest seasons in your business. I want you to know that you have the opportunity to take these quote unquote failures, extract the lessons and come out even stronger on the other side. So I hope that you took something away from this episode. I am very proud that we have made it to the three year mark of the found podcast. And even the found podcast has evolved in the time since it was started. And I thank everybody on my team. I thank all of my supporters. I thank everybody who follows and listens. I thank my family and everybody who had a part in helping me grow personally, as well as helped MKM make it through that season. And again, if we want to be a long longevity business, that's not right. If we want our business to be one that stands the test of time, we're going to go through seasons like this and it's okay. All right. I feel like that was a very drawn out end, but I'll be back in just a couple of weeks with another episode of The Found Podcast. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening in to The Found Podcast. If you loved what you heard in today's episode, please head over to The Found Podcast on iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review. It means so much to know how you think about these episodes where I pour out my heart or to know what strategies you found most effective from our guest experts. While you're there, you can also check out that library of 100 plus episodes of stories of female founders and successful strategies for getting found in your business. Thank you again for being here this week and I'll be back with even more in next week's episode.